There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Vin Infante has over a decade of experience in mental health, worked with thousands of people, was a former FDNY firefighter, and is currently a psychotherapist and master mindset coach. Vin helps people achieve mastery over their mindsets to live a more aligned and powerful life. I found this time with Vin so insightful and helpful for those who might be struggling with what to do next when it comes to their mental health and getting out of the rut they might be in. I hope you get as much value from Vin as I did. Welcome, Vin, to The Ethical Evolution. Uh, Thanks for having me here. Now, Vin, for people who don't know who you are and what you do, can you go ahead and tell us? So I am a mindset coach, a therapist. I'm an entrepreneur, a former firefighter, a mentor, an angel investor, a father. <laughs> I do a lot of things. <laughs> you don't do it in halves either by the sound of it. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're all in on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're coming to us all the way from New York and, and we were just chatting offline and, and uh, you were previously a, a firefighter and I, I have great respect um, for anyone who goes into any kind of, um, you know, frontline kind of service like that. And, um, you know, we were just chatting about the kind of lessons that you learned from a career like that or even, you know, just a a short time in a career like that. Um, What were some of the things that, you know, like if you could share with anyone um, without them having to go through that experience themselves, what kind of um, lessons did you learn from the structure and the leadership that um, being a firefighter brought you? I think there's, there's definitely a few things, right? There's some on the personal side and there's some on a business side. So I'll talk about the business side real quick in case there's any entrepreneurs or business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs in the audience. I think one of the greatest things that the fire department knows how to do is make you want to be there, Mm. right? Like everybody is so bought in. Everybody wants every t-shirt. Everybody wants the hats. Everybody's excited. Like if you walk around, you come to New York, you're going to, you'll be able to tell who's a firefighter. Mm -hmm. You will literally see firefighters off duty, walking around in FDNY jackets and hoodies and t-shirts. Like they're so proud of the culture of the fire department. And I think that's absolutely fascinating because a lot of the times where businesses struggle is their culture. Mm. And so if you could translate getting people to buy in at that level, you will have a, a business that runs so seamlessly and so smooth that I think that's invaluable just from the get-go, right? And the way that they really achieve this is – they get you bought in when you come in. They're like, this is the mission. This is why you're here. 
This is what everybody's here for. This is how you support one another. And, and they put us through a lot together. So it builds a great bond. And, and you could do that by strategy of just having nights out and, and building with your team and giving people hard tasks to overcome together. I mm. think that's the biggest thing that creates that bond is that we all suffered together. <laughs> we went through the hardship together. And, and that's when people really bond, not when things are easy, but when things are hard. So giving teams hard tasks and making them for, find ways to get creative and work together to solve problems, I think is one of the greatest things you can do for your culture. Mm-hmm. And that's on the business side. Uh, for the personal side, a few great things that I learned. One of them was slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That's one of my favorite teachings that I, I learned. And that was from a drill where we all kept messing up because we had this anxiety, right? Because we had, I think it was 45 seconds to a minute to get fully geared up, which is not easy for a newbie firefighter. Mm. And, you know, the drill instructors would walk around and look at us and be like, you guys all look like messes and you're all just going to die if you go into a fire like this, (laughs) because none of you, none of you are geared up right. And so they talked about, you have to learn that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Take your time, take a breath. Actually, they literally said, they said, take a breath, take a deep breath. As, as, as we hit the, you know, the whistle and the timer goes off, take a breath. Don't actually start gearing up. Take a breath. Look at where all your gear is. Take five seconds to just analyze where everything is. And don't worry, you'll still make it in the time. Take a breath, analyze, and then go. And as we started getting into this rhythm, we were we were beating the time by actually moving slower, mm. but it made us more seamless, which actually made it smoother and faster. And so that's one of my favorite things to tell people is when life is feeling like it's really just take a breath, stop. Don't worry about things in that moment and just look around you and reorient yourself to the present. That's one of the greatest grounding tools you could utilize in your personal life to overcome adversity. You could use it in business too. There's so many ways to utilize that lesson. And I'll go, I'll give one more thing because I know I've been talking for a while. No, go for it. <laughs> and I want you, I'm sure you have something to say, but the last thing that I would really give is, I mean, so many lessons. But the, but the best thing that I, I think I learned was just that sense of internal leadership. You're, you're really challenged to become so much more than you, than you currently are, right? Because you're put in such hard situations. Every day you're going through physical, physical uh, the ringer. You're, you're burning mm. like 5,000 calories a day. Mm. You're being put to the test through all these different challenges and, and, and uh, skills that you have to learn and all these different things you need to study and understand, right? And it's, it's a test of your emotional, physical, spiritual strength, I believe. Mm. And you're being broken down. And every day you're pushed to your limit. And I don't think people have to go through these massively extreme situations. I mean, maybe they should. Honestly, <laughs> I think it would really improve a lot of people's lives. But the thing is, is that you want to challenge yourself every day to do something that's hard. Mm. Because it makes you more confident. It makes you more capable. I say to everyone... There were people when I resigned from the fire department that said, you're just going to let all that training go to waste. And I said, this training definitely isn't going to waste because the reality is I don't think I would have been confident or capable enough to weather the hardships of entrepreneurship and starting a business Mm -hmm. if I didn't go through the hardships in the fire department that trained me. Because once I got out of that, I was like, wow, if I could get through that, Mm -hmm. I can literally get through anything because that was the hardest damn thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And so going through hardship will help you build and find out more about yourself than any other situation in life. And the fire department pushing you to your limits encourages that. 
So if you don't have a boot camp to go through or a fire department training to go through, what you could do is you could challenge yourself every single day to do something that might be hard for you. Mm. And and that might not be the direct equivalent, but it is the definite second best. Mm. And there's a couple of things to unpack there, Vin. And one is, you know, I would imagine that the teamwork um, is incredible because it's it's life and death, really. Like if someone is not pulling their weights, it could actually take someone's life. Um, right. And that that importance of teamwork and collaboration, I think, is is far greater than anywhere else. Um, and I think that just gets ingrained in you. Am I right? Of course. I mean, you have to really think about that. If you're not willing to work like a unit, mm. that not only can you die, everyone could die. Mm. Right. And there's a level of trust that has to come with that too, because you might not even know these people, right? Like we got out, I'll never forget. It was, it was probably, it was actually really, um, I guess unusual as, as they say, but it was my second tour, second tour on duty. Mm-hmm. And I went to two fires. That That's like, that's unheard of. Statistically speaking, having two fires in the same day is not common. Mm. Having two fires on your second day is really not common. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, but, but here's, here's the level of interest. I was there my second day. I went to two fires and I don't even know these guys. I just mm. got assigned the firehouse. I've seen them once before and now I'm seeing them once again and now I'm like hey my life is in your hands like you guys are pretty much strangers but they're not because why we Mm. all went through the same training we all learn the same things we all value the same culture we all value the same things we're all in it with the same knowledge you know there's a that's why there's a very strict training right because you need to be able to have that to know like all right even though I don't know what this guy knows the fact that he's a firefighter makes me know that he at least knows how to support me so that we might live. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. It's just, and, you know, like it, it's obviously not like Chicago Fire where, you know, they've got a disaster every 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, even though it's New York in a big Can't city, it's no. not quite like that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> now the other thing you mentioned there is, is challenging yourself every day. Um, and you know, that's, that's where the growth comes from. And, you know, I think if we want to succeed in anything in life, it's that constant and consistent action and actually, you know, stretching ourselves. That's how that growth happens. And, and what you've done is, is on a next level, um, you know, within a a fire department and, you know, that stretches you to a a new boundary that you can just keep pushing. Mm. Yeah, it it was interesting. We, I actually went into the academy right before COVID. Mm. So they wound up telling us, they updated us in real time. They're like, hey, we're not entirely sure what's up yet. Like literally just found out news. Hey, a lot of people are getting sick. We're not sure what's going on. We'll keep you updated. And for all intents and purposes, expect to still be here, right? Because the academy is like five, five something months long. Mm. And, you know, they were like, just stay static. No, you're going to be here. Okay. We come in. It was a Friday when they said it to us. And in the Academy, it's five days a week, Monday to Friday, mm. come in on Monday. And they're like, all right, this is your last day. You guys are in the field tomorrow. Good luck. Wow. I'm like what? <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, they're like, you're not here anymore. They cut the Academy short by, I believe about a month. 
And that was something they haven't done since uh, 9-11. So they gave us a wartime graduation. They canceled all the ceremonies, everything we were preparing for, right? Because towards the end of the academy, you kind of prepare for Mm. the fun stuff, right? Mm. Family day, which is where your family gets to come down and see what you guys have been training for for months, why you've disappeared, why why you shaved your head, all the good stuff. (laughs) And then then they do the graduation ceremony and it's kind of like the the real like celebration for the hard work you guys went through. Um, And then all of that got canceled. All of that got thrown down, down the drain and we didn't get to do any of it because we just, we had to go out. We had to serve the city. Everyone was getting sick. Nobody knew what was going on. There were a lot of protocols in place. And uh, that was a very unique experience, which obviously then after COVID, we know rolled into the protests and the riots that occurred in New York. Mm. So there was that going on. So this was a very interesting time to become a firefighter. And so it's funny because even though I was there for such a short time, I felt like, wow, that was a really interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, had incredible timing there. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and even here in Australia, the news that we saw, particularly on how COVID hit New York, um, like that must have been an incredible experience for you as a firefighter to to see that happening in your streets, you know? Yeah, it, it was very wild. And one of the things that was very unique about my experience as well is I was in a massive firehouse. Mm. So your typical house might be like a single or double house. That's like the typical. Right? Mm-hmm. A single house would have an engine and the double house would have an engine and a truck. The difference is the engine carries the water, the truck has the guys that go in and find the fire and all that good stuff and break mm-hmm. the doors, saws, right? So I was in an engine, but I was <clears> in an engine in a house that had an engine, a truck, a special unit, the battalion chief, and the division chief. Mm-hmm. So the division mm-hmm. is like one spot, right, in in the borough. Then the battalion is, is um, the sorry, the division is the entire borough. The battalion is a specific spot within the division. And then the special unit, which is basically... Uh, um, I don't know how to say this. It's it's like part of the engine, but not really. The special unit goes to every second alarm fire or greater in the entirety of the division. Because if the fire gets too massive, this special unit can pump out enough water to get multiple engines running at the same time to get enough water to hopefully combat this massive raging fire. Mm-hmm. So I had that privilege where I would go to the biggest fires in Brooklyn if I was on duty and they needed the special unit because that was just the part of the job. So I saw some really crazy fires, even if I didn't operate at them, I was I was there kind of standing by waiting in case they needed us. Mm-hmm. So definitely a really unique experience for my short stint in the fire department. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, no doubt your experiences now – fuel um the work that you do with helping people with their mindset um and uh, tell us about what kind of work you do in that space now and what kind of change you can help people create sure so i have a former and traditional background in psychotherapy i was in mental health for 10 years as a therapist before I transitioned into the fire department before I transitioned into creating my coaching business. So I went for that, for that standard background, followed in my father's footsteps, studied a lot around cognitive behavioral therapy and learning about behaviorism and really creating that, that level of conscious change. But I got very curious about creating real transformation, lasting transformation in people. And that's when I 
funny enough, right? That's when I stumbled into life coaching mm. because a lot of people think that life coaching is, um, am I allowed to say bullshit? Yeah, I just said it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people think life coaching is bullshit, especially modern day. And I will adhere to the fact that most of it, yes, most of it is. A lot of people are wildly unqualified. Mm. I got very curious because I saw that traditional psychotherapy was not cutting it for a lot of people. And I was also curious about why are people spending 10 to 15 years in this in this process where they're seemingly not changing? Like mm. there's no other business model or anything else in the world that we would invest in for 10 to 15 years with zero change to be seen. Mm. Why do we do that with our mental health? Why is that accepted? So I got very curious and I said, well, who's really creating change in this world? And I stumbled upon Tony Robbins. Mm. Love him or hate him, the man produces results. It's been documented. He's literally like had people with 15 years of trauma overcome it in one session. So I'm like, I need to learn what the hell that guy's doing. And every therapist should learn what the hell that guy's doing. Because if he's able to do it, so are the rest of us. We're all human. He's not an alien. or Maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> but as far as I know, he's human and so am I. So if one human could do something, every human could do something similar, right? So I started learning about life coaching under Tony Robbins. I went and got my coaching certification as a strategic intervention coach under Tony Robbins uh, training program. And then what I said was, this is really cool. Life coaching is cool. But what I understand is that the thing that makes Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins, is he also has a very in-depth understanding of the human mind, the subconscious, and the psyche. But that's traditional psychotherapy. Mm. So I said, ah, I know what I need to do. I'm going to combine aspects of psychotherapy, aspects of coaching, and aspects of mentoring, which is sharing experience and really giving people your knowledge, right? I think the difference between coaching and mentoring is coaching challenges people to become more themselves. Mentoring challenges people to become a little bit more like you because mm. they're learning from your experience and what you would do. Mm -hmm. So I decided, I think what the world needs is a better way to look at mental health. And so that's where I said, I'm going to combine aspects of therapy, mentoring, and coaching, my TMC method. And I am going to help people achieve real-time rapid transformation in three months or so, and really allow them to get a holistic mental health that I think the world is lacking. And that's what I do now. I love it. Can I just say, I love that. Now, there's been many conversations I've had on this show with people around Tony Robbins. And like you say, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, but I am one of the people who loves him. Um, and when mm -hmm. I was 19, um, and I'm pushing 50 now, um, when I was 19, I picked up one of his books and it absolutely changed my life. Um, I was in a space where I was unemployed. Um, I was having issues with alcohol and my health and all kinds of stuff at the age of 19. And I picked mm -hmm. up that book and I changed my life from night to day. I got the job I wanted. I got myself a car. I got out of out of my parents' place. I changed my whole physical outlook, um, and I just got my life off the ground, you know. And within less than a year, like all of this happened. So it's that consistent yeah. applied action when you when you do that. And and even today, you know, like I I work full time as well uh, for government, and I with my team, I, I still use the the can I. Um, you know, uh, approach, 
constant and never-ending improvement. And they're like looking at me like, oh, you're some woo-woo, you know, like, but no, I do because I'm also a spiritual coach. So it's it's one of the things that I do in everything is, is like, okay, well, this is the situation, but how can we make it better? Like, and this is why I'm so rooted in change and how we can create change to make the world a better place. And this is where you and I align, Vin. I think this is incredible. But focusing yeah, focusing on mental health, like this is what the world needs right now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because I think that the people that dislike Tony Robbins are probably the similar people that will try to what? call me out. I'm, I'm going to do the air quotes because the reality is I've come to see it's a very specific type of person. It's somebody who wants to look at things the way they are, mm. not change and just believe like it is what it is. Because I say, hey, there's, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with suicidal thoughts. I struggle with panic attack. Mm. My therapist diagnosed me, wanted to put me on medication. I refused. I haven't had a panic attack in over 10 years. I don't suffer from anxiety or depression. I don't even label myself as someone who has these things. And meanwhile, I'll have people tell me, sorry, dude, you're wrong. Anxiety doesn't just go away. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, I only have 13 plus years of mental health. I've only studied everything there is and and continue to study, by the way. I've only done the inner work on myself for 10 plus years, a better part of the decade. But you're right. Just live with your anxiety forever because that's clearly how it has to be. And so I, I've actually, I just stopped. I used to argue with people online, but obviously that doesn't do anything. And you know, as well as, as you're a coach, you can't change people. You could give them insights and offers and, and you could give them perspective, but if they don't want it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. So at the end of the day, I don't argue with anyone. I just tell them, I'm like, you know what? You want to live with anxiety? You do that. But if you ever want to get rid of it, feel free to give me a call. Mm. Like, you're welcome to. And if you want to fight me and tell me I'm wrong and then call me, call me out, right? All the good stuff. You can. I, I just, I know I'm right. And I know I've overcome it. I know a lot of people can overcome it. And I know people who have overcome it as well. So I think it's a very interesting time we're in. There's some people mm. that are firm believers that you have to struggle the rest of your life and you don't get better. You only maintain. And then there are people like myself and other people I know where it's like, you can overcome anything. You mm. just have to actually want to overcome it. Mm. Yeah, and like I, I see so many people who are, are medicated to their eyeballs now, you know, um, for mental health mm. conditions. And, you know, um, years ago I was one of those and I, you know, I was again recently offered it and I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> not going down that path again. Um, but, you know, I think we we need to educate people that there are other options. They don't have to be on drugs I mean, I know some people that is their only solution for a particular period of time. But, like, Mm. if someone is listening to this, Vin, and, you know, through the last few years they've had a a really rough time and they're trying to get on the other side of anxiety, overwhelm, depression, um, suicidal thoughts, Mm. where do you think they should start? They need to start by understanding why they're there. Mm. Right. You know, as well as I do, there's no such thing as bad or good behaviors. Every behavior is there to meet a need. Anxiety has a need. Depression has a need. Mm. There's a purpose for all of them. If you study about depression, you could, everybody should check this out. It's called analytical rumination hypothesis. It's research that they did to see why our ancestors developed depression because there was a purpose for it, especially at one point. The point was, and if you think about it, it's actually interesting too. nowadays, 
depression does what? It like cripples us, right? People will tell me, oh, I'm depressed. So what comes with that? Well, I have low energy. I don't want to be around people. I want to sit in all day and do nothing. And, and all I'm hearing is like, so basically what you're telling me is it forces you to sit with yourself because you're almost that debilitated, right? And why do you think you're being forced to sit with yourself? The purpose of depression is in the name of that research, analytical rumination. Mm. Analyze and ruminate on what the deep issue is that's in your life right now that you have yet to confront, face, or fix. That's the point of depression. If you have persistent depression, what it means is you have a persistent problem you're not willing to deal with and you're not analyzing it and you're not focused on it because there's no such thing as I am just depressed. That's Mm. not a thing. And so when people are afraid to do that in a work, like, hey, maybe you're depressed because you know your relationship is terrible. And if you really were honest with yourself, you should leave it. Mm. But people won't do that. They'd be like, I can't leave the person. In fact, I'm depressed because, you know, life is just hard. Yeah, but life's hard because you're accepting a terrible situation. But deep down, right, our subconscious, our soul even knows this isn't right. And it will continue to remind you with depression until you do what is. If you look at anxiety, anxiety, again, formed in our ancestors, fight, flight, or freeze. It's formed as a, as a protective mechanism. Because you need your adrenal glands, you need tunnel vision to fight, you need to shut off certain aspects of your body so that you could heighten and utilize the other senses properly. That's literally what happens when you're experiencing anxiety. But why? Because you have a perception of a threat in the immediate environment that something is going to literally kill you. But the funny thing is, is that even though we're not threatened by saber-toothed tigers anymore, now we're threatened by other things. Mm. You're having an anxiety (laughs) attack. Why? Because uh, I don't know if I could pay my rent. But you're still living in a state of survival, right? Or, you know, oh, what if my girlfriend's cheating on me? So what? What if she's cheating on you? Go get a new one. Get one that won't cheat on you. But the reality is, is like, no, I'd rather just sit here and be afraid and zoom in on her phone to find out if she's cheating on me. Okay, well, after you do that, then what? Well, then I'm going to check and see how her behaviors are. What if she's sneaking around? What if she's being shady with her text messages? Or like, whatever it is. Point is, you're perceiving multiple threats and you're trying to address them, but you're not actually like solving that problem either. You're just kind of taking threat by threat, but you're living in a survival state of like, I have to preserve my relationship. I have to preserve my my this, my that. And so understanding that these things are just indicators, right? My favorite saying is feelings aren't facts. Mm. They're just indicators. Mm -hmm. what do they indicate if you want to overcome them you have to figure that out Mm. and it's really I guess if I like to think of it a bit like a garden you need to like to get the weeds out you got to get down to the root right so um without getting down and getting dirty (laughs) um god this metaphor is great um is you know to actually get down there and find out what the issue is and you know for many of us that have depression or anxiety that we know what's underneath that but we just don't want to face it because it's gonna hurt you know or we have to actually face our shit you know we have to deal with it um and just getting real with ourselves i think is the the simplest start we can make And, you know, by actually taking medication, we're actually then just putting an umbrella on those feelings. And again, I'm one that's all about feeling the feels. And if we don't, like we're not human. Right. I agree. And, and a lot of people, 
a lot of people like to misinterpret my messages, mm. which again is why like I don't bother to argue. It's like you hear what you want to hear because mm. that's your perspective. It has nothing to do with what I say. And it's not to say you shouldn't feel your feelings. It's to say understand your feelings aren't factual. Mm. Like you could feel them all you want, but that doesn't always make them correct, right? So what do we do with that? It's like, okay, would you like to just sit in anxiety? Is that helping? Is that like what you want? You want 10 years of anxiety? Or would you like to say, hmm, I'm having an experience that I am currently feeling anxious. Why? What is coming up? What is the indicator? What's what's going on in my environment? What happened? What did someone say? What did someone do? What did I do or say? What's the scenario that caused this feeling? And making sure, this is extremely important, that you separate yourself from that emotion. Stop saying, I am anxious. Mm-hmm. Start saying, I am having an experience or a moment right now where I am feeling anxious. Because feelings go away. Feelings fade. And again, feelings are just indicators. They're not facts. So don't make it your identity. Don't say, I am anxious. Because then that's that's now a part of your programming. Mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, hi, I'm Vin. I'm anxious. Like, no, it's like I'm Vin. Occasionally, I experience a feeling of anxiety due to some sort of situation. But that's like that's much better. That's a different conversation. That's more powerful because mm. now you can actually overcome it. And I still have feelings of anxiety, but I do not identify as anxious. It doesn't happen for me. Mm. So that's how you could do st- small changes. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I think consciousness um, and, and, you know, self-awareness I think is a, is a big part of this because if you can't ask yourself the questions and actually have the awareness and listen to yourself, like that's, that's a mm. huge part of this is actually knowing yourself um, because so many people are just on autopilot. They don't even recognize what's actually going on. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, you know, the, do you know the stats for the subconscious mind? It's pretty interesting. Oh, not off the top of my head, Vin. <laughs> so so like you were just saying right we're doing auto programming so in the research they found that 95 percent, which is the average they settled on 95 percent of everything we say do think feel is a complete autopilot program 95 percent of our day is just running and in fact funny enough they also say that 95% of our thoughts, not just like this is a separate stat, 95% of our thoughts are negative. Mm. And that's pretty wild because we have, I think the number, this one I'm not certain on the quote, but I think the number was somewhere around, we have over 20,000 thoughts per day. Mm. And 95% of that is negative. And that's wild. That's really wild because it means you're geared to have a crappy experience and you're geared to have the same experience every damn day for at least 95% of your day. And then that translates to the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. So you are geared to have 95% negativity in your life and then have 95% of that every single day until you do something about it. Crazy. Mm. And that's just with not being conscious. Yeah. Oh, and 95 <laughs> is the average, right? Because they found that there are people who are like 99% just unconscious. And they settled on 95 because they were were like, oh, there's people that are 91% conscious. And then there's people 99%, you know, subconscious. That's That's incredible. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, Vin, 
what kind of change have you helped people create? Like have you got some success stories you can share with us like on how people have transformed? I got one of my favorite clients. He's um, he's a really great guy. And he came to me. He was in therapy for about 15 years on and off, right? The process. <laughs> and he actually, him and I met by chance. I was doing uh, I was doing MMA training and he was at the same MMA training center as me. And we just got into a side conversation and we were talking. He's like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a mindset coach. And he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. He's like, never worked with a coach before. I've never, you know, what, what's that like? I'm like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, he's like, you know, he's like, I, I actually just stopped working with my therapist. I was like, oh, cool. I'm also a therapist. <laughs> he's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, let's talk. So <laughs> we end up having a little conversation, sold them on working with me. And you know, he's like, well, I've, I've worked with therapists before. I've been in and out for 15 years. He's in his early mid thirties right now. And that was the start of the conversation. Right. And he said, I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with panic attacks. I still struggle with depression. I've been on medic. I've been on two different medications for each thing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, like we could work with it. I was like, I guarantee I'm very different than any other therapist you've ever worked with. I'm very different than any other coach you could ever hope to work with. And we're going to do some cool shit. He's like, okay, awesome. So we worked together for about five months. At this point, what he's telling me is that his whole perspective was shifting on life because I had challenged him to start doing different things, like building a different identity for himself, right? Little things like I just said to you, he's mm. no longer allowed to say, I am anxious. In fact, he's not even allowed to use the word anxiety. We replaced anxiety, anxious with frazzled, mm. right? And the reason is, is because words carry meaning and elicit responses in the body. It elicits mm -hmm. the emotion. It elicits a physiological response of like what you do to embody the emotion of anxiety. It elicits a thought process. It elicits a pattern, a behavioral pattern. So by just changing even the word, we took out a lot of that power. So we started replacing words in his vocabulary. We started cho choosing a powerful persona, a powerful identity. And then we started identifying a weaker, less empowering identity. And building a consciousness around, hey, which, which identity are you embodying at these moments? And which one would you rather be in? Which is pretty much a no-brainer, right? Mm. Wouldn't we all always rather be in the empowered identity? Mm. And so allowing him to just build that awareness of what's going on inside him. We also did different things like shifting his thought process, right? What if you focus on this instead of this? Or what if you did this instead of that? And that was at about five months, right? He, so he had been achieving real crazy transformation in five months, saying that he already realizes his life is different. A year after working together, now he came off of his anxiety and depression meds. He doesn't need them. He doesn't have panic attacks. And if he does, it's like once every five to six months as opposed to once a week now. And he knows how to actually get himself out of the panic attacks. He doesn't need me for it. And so... He was able to come off these meds. He was able to get out of these states of panic because of the training that we had put in place and, and the practice, like big, big praise to him. I've come to learn I don't change anyone and mm -hmm. I, I'm very candid about that. But what my job is, is to facilitate a, spa a space for transformation to occur. And if you're willing to step into the space and do the work, you will get the result is what I believe. And he is such a, he's such an amazing person. Everything I tell him to do, he just does it. 
Like, it's funny. It's almost like he doesn't even question at this point. If I tell him, I want you to jump out the window squawking like a bird, he'd be like, (laughs) which window? Right. Because because he's put in the work and he's gotten the result. Right. So that's one of my favorite stories to share. But I, I have to sing his praise because if he didn't put in the work, I couldn't share that that's the result we got. Right. Mm. It is a collaborative team effort. It is maybe 20 percent me teaching him, but 80 percent of him putting in the work. And I tell people, it's like, we only spend a few hours together a, mo- a month, right? Like if there's 30 days in a month and we meet biweekly, that's like two hours out of your life mm. for a month. So you're only, you're spending less than 1% of your time with me. So it's very important you do the things that you mm. need to do because I have such little influence in your life. You need to really like do it. And and he really ran with it. So that's one of my favorite stories because he is, he is a, Oh man, he's the ideal person to work with. Let me tell you. That's incredible. And you know, there's, there's so many good points you make there. And I think, um, one of the, one of the ones there that hit me was, um, you know, language has so much power, like the words we use, Mm. there's so much power in it. And like often when, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with a client, I'll listen to the words that they're saying and I'm like, can you actually hear yourself? (laughs) Like, you know, actually just stop and listen to the words you're using because another big thing that I say is we are the stories we tell ourselves. Like, like you were saying, you don't, you know, I am not anxiety. Um, You know, it's the story we tell ourselves and we can change that narrative at any moment. Mm. And, you know, just, just to get people to consciously go, oh, no, I am not that. And this is the action I'm going to take. Um, look at the change. Wow. Off the meds and whole new, whole new life. That's incredible. Yeah. And after 15, year. 15 years of therapy. 15 years of therapy, he still had the same damn issues and was medicated for two different things. And one year he's one year is a, a whole different person with a whole new life. And honestly, I'm never a fan of meds. I, I know some people argue that it's needed. It's needed. Mm. I'll always argue I don't think it's needed. I don't think it's needed because there's also a lot of research that shows that your brain chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. Supposedly, some people need it because their brain chemistry isn't up to up to snuff, right? But there's a lot of research that actually shows your brain chemistry changes mm-hmm. based on your thoughts and your habits and your actions and your behaviors. Like there's so much that's actually proven about this now that I don't think, oh, some people need the medication is a good argument. Mm. I do believe if there's somebody who truly feels that they're so unable to calm their anxiety, they should go on medication for such a short period of time with the intention to come off of it as quickly as possible. That's the only justifiable time to be on a medication. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Wow. You could change the whole therapy world here, Vin. This is incredible. (laughs) They're going to hate me. They're going to hate me because a lot of people are going to be out of jobs. What? What good is the therapist's job if you're not going to them for the next 15 years? What good is the is the doctor who's prescribing if you're not going to him for the next 15 years to manage your medication? Actually, even longer, right? Because they tell you, you need this forever. Mm. You, you don't know how to manage your anxiety. You need anxiety meds forever. It'll keep you calm. Just keep coming back until you die and, and eventually die of a destroyed liver or the other side effects. You know, but at least I have a job, right? Mm. That's that's what they're thinking. So it destroys a business model if, if people actually get better mentally. That's a whole business model. For, Absolutely. For therapy world. And I've got many close friends um, who are uh, psychologists and, um, you know, some of them are the school of thought that, you know, I won't work with someone for longer than six months. That's it. You know, like we, we actually get to the root of the problem. 
um, rather than years and years of therapy. So I, I think this is a, and this is a thing I talk about a lot, is if you're going to go to a therapist, um, make sure you do your homework. Don't just go to anyone and actually find someone who is actually getting you results and helping you find those results um, and is also going to work with you well uh, because people might go to someone you know, not actually see any change and just keep going thinking things are going to change and they don't. Um, and the example you've given there is a great one. Um, so do your homework and actually, you know, if someone's not working, go find another one. Yeah, 100%. Listen, it, coaching, therapy, mentoring, mm. it's all the same. It's like dating. You yeah. got to find a bunch. You got to see who you click with. Who do you want to see again, right? Who who are you like, oh, I hope they call. I can't wait for our next our next session. That's the person you should work with. Mm. It doesn't matter, even if it even if even if the investment's a little heavy, right? Like, remember you're investing in yourself. I think that's a big thing too. Is that people don't understand? Is like, hey, you're investing in you. Mm. That's a big, big part of it. Yeah, and there's there's no real value you can place on that, is there? Like that is just. <laughs> I think it is so worth it. So. Make sure you actually double down on that. Now, Vin, if people want to experience your coaching and get in touch with you, now we know you're in New York, but I'm guessing you do worldwide consultations. So um, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they go? Yeah, I work with people all over. I'm international. And so people can go to www.vincentinfante.life. That's my website. I offer a free strategy session. You guys are welcome to book. I also have a free resource. I would love for everyone to grab. It's about creating a mission board, which is my version of a vision board. So you know it's better. And uh, <laughs> all you got to do is put in your email. You can get the free resource. And uh, check me out on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I post a lot of content. That's uh, Instagram, vin.infanti. And uh, you could shoot me a DM on there if you just want direct access. I always answer. Amazing. And I did check out uh, your, your vision boards there or your mission boards um, because, yeah, I, I've been in the vision board space previously and I'll, I'm glad you do ones that are no bullshit. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now i got the last big question for you, Vin. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Mm. So I'm on a mission to impact 1 billion people positively. Mm. And that's just to start, right? Because once I hit the billion, then I got to move the needle up. You know how it goes, right? And so the the biggest change that I would like to see in the world is that people stop accepting mental health currently the way it is. Mm. I think that a lot of people look at mental health, like I said, it's like, oh, it's a 10 to 15 year process. You never get over your issues. You just learn how to cope with them and deal with them. I think that's not true. And I don't know how this became a thing. I don't know how it became a notion. But the change I want to see in the world, and I'm hoping to be the change I want to see in the world, that's why I'm on this mission, is I want people to experience a life of their highest potential without the pains of anxiety and depression and fears and all these other things, because I've overcome them. I know it's possible. I've seen other people overcome them. I know it's possible. I've seen people do it quick. I've seen people do it in, in one session with Tony Robbins. I've seen people do it in, in one session of hypnotherapy. So many things that people are willing to rule out and say is bullcrap because of the fact that modern insurance companies, modern day society, modern day mental health is like, oh, no, that stuff's woo-woo. It's not true. That stuff actually really gets results. Mm. And so I would love to see 
one higher quality coaches out there. I think there's a lot of crappy coaches out there because it's such an easy field to get into. So I would love to see coaching as a more serious industry. Two, I want people to look at mental health in a different way. I want people to know that you can change. You can overcome things. You don't have to live with them. And it doesn't have to be a 15-year process. It could be a few short months. And lastly, I want people to just live more empowered and know that they are so much more capable than they currently believe and that they can get so much more out of life if they're just willing to try and take it. Oh, Vin, you are the next Tony Robbins. Look out. Um, and you know what? I could talk to you all day. Like you and I have so much in common. It's not funny. So um, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the ethical evolution. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.